Amen. Well, our text is John chapter 14. Uh, I tell you, it's been a blessing for me to read back through the book of John. Um, uh, I was praying here several weeks ago that the Lord just, that God would just help me to, to know Jesus a little bit better, and he laid it upon my heart to read back through John. You know, we tell people to read John because you get to know Christ in a way that uh, the world didn't know him, and, and uh, it's uh, it's... Although it's something I've read over and over and over again, um, I, I, I'm blessed every time I read it. And I don't think I've ever actually preached out of this passage before, although I have heard it preached a million times. Um, it's not something that is, uh, it's a verse that, that you memorize when you're uh, a young person, uh, shortly after you get saved, or in some, some, somewhere in Sunday school, or Awana, I don't know where I learned it, but, but uh, I, I tell you, it's what a wonderful passage of scripture it is. Uh, let's go ahead before we get started. Let's uh, let's pray and, and just see what the Lord will have for us this evening. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, uh, for the promises that we have in your word. And God, as we as we look at these these verses, Lord, in this chapter, Lord, the promises that we have of of comfort and peace. God, I pray that you would uh, help us to focus our hearts and our minds upon you. Lord, uh, we live in a troubled time in a troubled world, but Lord, just, I don't think it's any more troubled than it's been in, than the world's been in the past. I just think it's, I don't know, sometimes we get more focused upon it. But God, I pray that, um, Lord, that you would help us. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, strengthen us as your people. Lord, that we might uh, have that peace that only we can have because of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for all you do for us. Thank you for the blessings you've given to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Verse 1 says, let your heart, let not your heart be troubled. It's important that you put that not in there. Uh, because most of the time, we let our hearts be troubled. <laughs> but he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Uh, as I was thinking about this, and just the, the context of all this that's taking place, remember, remember who Jesus is talking to and where they're at. Um, this is uh, during, uh, they're at the Last Supper. They have not left yet. Uh, Jesus has, has told them that, that he's, in fact, had just told them in the previous chapter uh, that, that where he was going, he was leaving, and where he was going, they couldn't come. In, in fact, Peter says, said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thee. And he confronts Peter and tells him, before the, the cock throws three, the, the, before the cock crows, you're, you're going to deny me three times. And so, uh, but he's, this is where they're at. They have been with Jesus for three and a half years. Walking with him and seeing every miracle that he performed, uh, there have been times when they uh, think about this. Uh, they, they were there when he turned the water into wine, and I used to think, "Why would God do a miracle like that?" I can see why he would heal somebody. And that that makes sense to me. I can see why he would calm the storm if they're in the midst of the storm and they might die. That makes sense to me because I wouldn't want to die. Why would he give them wine? Why would he turn water into wine? But if you read it, it, it answers the question for you. And I don't know why I read it and it just skipped past me. He did it so that they, his disciples, might believe. That was the first miracle that was performed. He was, they were there. They saw that water was poured into those containers. And then they, they, they took 
up and drew up wine. They saw that he did something that was supernatural. It wasn't like he had a he went to the store and bought some mix to put in there to make it taste good. It was it was a supernaturally changed from water uh, to, to wine. Uh, and so, so you go on forward into into his ministry, and he performed miracle after miracle. He healed people, the people that were that were lame, uh, he made walk. The people that were blind, he made see. The people that were dumb could speak. The people that were deaf could hear. Uh, he he brought people up from the dead. He uh, Jairus's daughter and Lazarus. He did. He fed people when there was no food to be found. Uh, he did amazing things, and they were there. They heard. They, they saw all of those miracles. They got to participate in those miracles. When they he sent them out on the boat in the midst of a, a storm, uh, he walked unto them on the water. Nobody had ever done that before. And they, they, they they saw things that they were never ever ever going to forget. And listen, when he told them to to draw up the the fish, what did Peter say? He said, uh, he said, I've been fishing all night, but because you told me to cast my net down, I will. And now Jesus said, cast down your nets, by the way. And Peter cast down one. But what did he do? He drew up so many fish. We know the, we know the account. So many fish that the, that the boat almost sank. And they had to call for help from John and James, their, their, their partners. And their boat almost sank because of the amount of fish they caught in one net when Peter couldn't catch a fish all single, all night long. And so they, and Peter fell to his knees and said, "Thou art." He, he recognized him as God at that point in time. And, and he began to worship him there. And he thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He knew who he was. When Jesus asked, who do men say that I am? And he said, oh, they said, well, some people say you're John the Baptist, and some people say you're this prophet or that prophet. And Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Peter spoke up and he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. When everybody else turned and walked away because the teachings of Christ were, were, were hard and difficult to understand and difficult to take, he looked at the disciples and said, what are you going to do? And the disciples said, where else are we going to go? Thou hast the words of life. They understood something. They they had grown to know this, know Jesus Christ. They they'd grown to to believe in Jesus Christ. They have experienced things that they never experienced before. They were looking forward to the day that He was going to reign in Jerusalem. When they entered into Jerusalem in just two chapters before here, chapter I believe it was chapter twelve, they enter into Jerusalem. Jesus is riding on the donkey, and the people are hailing him with the, the palm fronds, uh, singing hallelujah. Why? Because they're, 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 they're remembering the different things that, 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 that the king was going to come in on, riding on an ass that had never been ridden. He fulfilled prophecy after prophecy, and they were looking forward to Jesus as the Messiah taking over. But that was never Jesus' plan. And as many times as he had revealed to them through, through the past that he was going to die, that this temple would be torn down, and three days later it would be brought back up, they didn't get that, didn't make the connection. But now he's telling them it's time. The hour is come. And, and I don't know about you, but I'd be kind of scared. This guy I've been following, everything that they knew and understood and everything that they believed was tied up in this one individual. And he said, hey, I'm going to be leaving this place. <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> he says, and where I go, you can't come. There was, there, there was some trouble. And that's why in verse 1 it says, let not your heart be troubled. The, their hearts were troubled because they, they, their, their futures, their hope, their everything was tied up in Jesus Christ. And he had just told them, I'm going to leave. Now, they didn't know that what he meant was he was going to die for the sins of the whole world. They, they, hadn't, they, they didn't understand that just yet. They didn't understand that he would rise again uh, because even though he tells them those things, uh, they, they don't remember them until after the resurrection and after they see him bodily. 
but they're troubled. They're, they're, they're tore up. They're confused. And I began to think about this. Man, 2020 has been a bad year. And I, we talked about this several times. Uh, but it hasn't gotten any better. In 2020, one day, I, I, it'd just be nice if the clouds opened up, the sun shined, and God said, okay, I'm going to take it easy on you. But, but it hasn't gotten any better. 2020 has, has, has been difficult. And, and man, our, our lives have been turned upside down. Uh, there are churches in our country which we have the freedom uh, constitutionally to be able to, to meet. But they just passed a law that you can't meet in California and you can't sing at church. Well, that's still within the United States of America, I thought. But they passed a law that you couldn't do that. The, 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 uh, there's, no, there's a pastor, John MacArthur. Uh, uh, he just asked. Uh, uh, he was just asked by a reporter what what he thought about the the latest ruling, and he says, "Well, I've always thought." He was. Uh, was I'm trying to say it exactly right. I'm not going to do it quite right, but it's not verbatim. But he said uh, he's always wanted to start a jail ministry. Why? Because they're going to meet. Uh, listen, I, I'm not. I'm not for. Uh, we we need to. Every church is, uh, praise the Lord, for uh, autonomy. And there are some churches that have followed the mandates and, and, and they're still closed because of the illnesses. And I'm not judging those pastors. They have to do what they feel the Lord would lead them to do. I, I, I believe that we are to, to meet. And, and listen, we lose something by not being able to get together. And I thank the Lord that we, we're still following the mandates. We're still, we're, we, we, we can meet by, uh, in groups of 50 and, and outside. We can meet in groups of 100. So we, we had 70 and 80 and 90 at our tent meeting. Praise God for that. But we, we, we try to, we try to, we put up the signs, we, uh, we, we wear masks, we, uh, you know, I, I, but my goodness, if they were to come and tell me that we weren't allowed to meet together, I don't know what I'd do. We might just be meeting out in the woods somewhere, and whoever would come would come. Seriously. Or we could meet in a parking lot, and, and they can come and arrest us. It wouldn't matter to me. They could arrest me and take me to jail. I'm okay with that. My wife and my kids may not be so much, but I'd be, I'd be okay with that. But it's, it's a troubling time, and it's not just troubling time for the church. It's just troubling time for everybody. Jobs lost. Uh, people's incomes are messed up. Uh, the, uh, the government has ordered, this is the first time it's ever happened, the, gov the government ordered businesses to close down. People lost their jobs because the government ordered it. it whatever your opinion is of the right or wrong of it, I'm just saying the world's been turned upside down. Schools being uh, forced to close and, and, and just the, the mess that the teachers are having to go through. I, I feel for them. That for them to be able to go in and minister to, their, to teach those kids. and it, it, it's, it's, it's the limitations that are being placed on the, the, them and, and the kids. I feel for them. This world is messed up. And listen, we live in a time when people are troubled. When, when there are worries upon our hearts and, and burdens upon our hearts and, and, and everybody is, is caught up. And listen, we're all in this together. We're, we all have these same burdens. You go into the store and some stores could care less if you wear a mask and they put that on a sign on the door. Other ones, they chase you out yelling at you if you don't wear a mask. And, man, what a mess. What can I tell you? It's a whole lot worse back then. 
<laughs> as, as difficult and as hard and as troubling as these times are, and, and I'm not trying to minimize the, the, the stress people are going through, uh, and, and sometimes the stress doesn't even resolve, doesn't have anything to do with COVID. There's just trouble in life. But if we focus on those troubles, if our mind and our life is bound up, if our focus is bound up in the things of this world, we are going to be troubled. But Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. And he gives us the answer to how to, 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 how to have peace in this passage of Scripture. Because we can find peace in Jesus Christ, no matter what the trouble is in your heart. If, if the trouble in your heart is because of COVID, guess what? If you focus on Christ and the promises of Christ... Takes away the peace, or take, it gives us the peace that we're looking for. If you, if it's your finances or your health or whatever other struggle, listen, or your job or your family or or who knows what, whatever it is that's got you all bound up and, and concerned, can I tell you the answer is Jesus Christ? He says, "Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me." In me, the people, uh, the the. the uh, the disciples were dealing with crippling fear. They didn't know. They didn't know what was going to happen. Jesus had just told them that he was going to leave them, so they they were alone. Have you ever felt like you were all alone in the middle of a situation and you didn't know which way was up and what to do? No matter whether it, it could come in many different ways, you can be in the midst of a large group of people and be all alone. They were feeling alone. Jesus was going to leave them, and they, they didn't know what they were going to do. They, they were concerned about failing because, hey, he'd given them instructions, and he was giving them instructions now, but he was going to leave. They, man, they loved Christ. They wanted to do the best for him. And Well, are we ever good enough? They were concerned about failure. They were concerned about, uh, they, they were concerned about their future because if he was going to go away, what did that mean for them? What were, what were going to be those next steps? And listen, the future of the, of the apostles, while God blessed them and worked with them and used them, it was a pretty dark future. It was a troubling future. All of the apostles were, were martyred. They were, the, Peter was crucified, hung upside down. Uh, uh, some were beheaded, others burnt at the stake. Uh, uh, John, uh, John uh, the, the writer of this, this particular, was boiled in oil. It wasn't a, 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 a happy future for any of them. But they all believed and they all endured and they all continued on. Why? Because they saw and they handled and they experienced time with Christ. Can I tell you, it is our time with Christ that gives us peace? You can say that you believe God, but not really spend that time with Christ. And you spend that time with your mind and your heart bound up in the things. Spend time watching CNN and Fox News. I don't care what news channel. You're going to be bound up in turmoil. Spending time just meditating and thinking upon and dwelling upon whatever it is your struggle is, whatever it is that's bringing fear into your life, can I tell you, that fear will be so big that you'll think it's a giant that cannot be destroyed. When Peter was walking on the water to Jesus, the only man beside the, the, the only non-divine person to walk on the water was Peter, and he's walking on the water to Jesus. He took one step, two steps, three steps. He's not touching the boat. He's away from the boat, and he's doing just fine. Now, the winds are still blowing, and the waves are still there, but he's not focused on that. But once he does, 
he begins to sink. Why? Because he took his eyes off of Jesus. Jesus was the whole reason he was on top of the water in the first place. He took his eyes off of Jesus and he put his eyes on the problem and he said, oh, Lord, save me. Well, the person he cried out to save him was the same one that held him up the whole time. Thankful he cried out to the right person. But man, these, these people are, 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 are fearful, they're, they're confused, they're concerned, they're, they're, they're alone, and they're not sure what's going to take place. Jesus says, though, let not your heart be troubled. Believe, you believe in God, believe also in me. And here he ties himself to the Father in a way that they cannot be separated. He says, listen, you already believe in God. These were Jews. They believed in Jehovah. They were raised to, 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 to follow uh, Jehovah, the one and only God. And he says, I, he, says, he says, you believe in the Father. You need to believe also in me. Because Jesus, while he was on this earth, is, to be honest, for Christians, he is everything for us. He is absolutely everything for us. If we don't have Christ, if we don't have the death and the resurrection, we have nothing. We're still bound up in our sin. We're still lost without hope. Uh, we're going to die and spend an eternity in hell. And there, uh, there is no hope of salvation. There is no spiritual life. There is no, there is no sanctification or justification or anything. There'll be forever uh, eternal damnation that, that's in our future. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Regardless of what it is, whatever fear it is that troubles your heart, Jesus is the answer. Turn over to First John chapter 5. It's interesting how closely these two tie together. I guess it shouldn't be too surprising since, since John wrote both books. In fact, he wrote First John, Second John, and Third John. 1 John chapter 5. Now we, we know verse 13. In fact, we probably know all, all of these verses, but the start of verse 11 says, And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. That's Jesus. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. If we do not have Christ, we do not have salvation. These things, and I love this, have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. Who, who is it that believes on the name of the Son of God? The children of God, right? Christians. I hope that, that means you. It says, these things are written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. And notice this, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. It's written to people who believe in the name of the Son of God that they might know that they have eternal life and that they might believe in the name of the Son of God. It's, it, it, yes, I believe in God for salvation, but listen, it's not enough just to believe God's going to save me. I need to believe that God's going to keep me while I'm here on this earth. No matter how difficult, no matter how, how difficult the trial, no matter how hard it gets, no matter how, how, I think, how terribly I think it's going to end, that's not the end. And Jesus is still the answer. Don't, get, don't, don't let those things weigh upon you. We, what, the, song, the last song that we just sang, what was it called? Um, Redeemed. Redeemed. What were the words to it? 
It's talking about being able to sing that happy song, that joyous song of being redeemed all the day long. Why? Because my mind is focused on that. Don't let your mind focus on the things of this world and those things that trouble you. Back in John chapter 14, we saw the, the, the condition that they experienced. I want you to see the, the comfort that God extends. Jesus said in verse 1, believe, you believe in God, believe also in me. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. He's, he's telling, the, he's telling these, uh, these disciples, these men he's about to leave, he says, listen, don't be afraid, don't, don't be concerned, don't be worried, don't I'll let your heart be troubled, because yes, I am going, but where I go... I'm going to a place, it's a, it's a special place. We're talking about heaven. Can I tell you that heaven is a special place? It, it's a place without turmoil. It's a place without wickedness. It's a place without tears, without pain, or without sorrow. It's a place without, without sickness or illness. It's, it's a place where there is no cancer. It's a place where there, there, there is no COVID-19, no mass. We'll be able to stand and sing and everybody. And it's a place of unity. It's a place of love. It's a place of light. It's a place where, where you don't need any electricians to turn on the lights or have to pay an electricity bill because God's there. The Bible says that he is the light of all uh, of everything. It's going to be an amazing place. And that's the place that Jesus went. And it says, I go to prepare a place for you. It's not just a place where God exists and we're going to get to visit it. It's a place where we're going to dwell for all eternity in the presence of God. It's apart from this world. Uh, the, 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 the corruptiveness and the, the, the destructiveness and all the, just the, the, the problems that we face in this world, well, it's apart from that. It's separate from that. The problem is we spend so much time with our minds and the things of this world and the troubles, we forget about the place that we're going. We, 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 we spend so much time, and, and I, let me, let, let's make this very clear. Uh, let me see one of these straps. Now, this isn't a very good illustration. Actually, one of these is better. I'm going to borrow this. Don't get mad at me. This is life on this earth. The Bible says our life is like a vapor. It's here for a moment, and God, it's, there's this little bit of metal piece. It's not very long, is it? For some people, it's longer and shorter. That dash in between your birth date and your, the date of your death and the date that Christ comes back could be longer and shorter, but there's a limited time. Everybody that is born dies. And whether you die from COVID, a car accident, or just because you're old, we're all going to come to a point in our time when we die unless Jesus Christ comes back, which is always a possibility. But we live our life concerned about this little shiny part. Whereas eternity goes on and on. And I could keep pulling it, but I'd start knocking things over. But it goes on and on and on forever. And that's what we have to look forward to. We live our life about this. But can I tell you, it really should be about this. It should be about what God has for us and what God has planned for us and how we're going to serve God and praise God and worship God. And then if we, if we consume our minds upon those things, that which is right and just and pure and holy, that was worthy of praise. The Bible says, think on those things. Man, that'll push out all the, the junk and the trials and the tribulation because it gives us hope. It's a special place. It's apart from this world. It's a heavenly place. It's a place of joy. 
There are going to be reunions there. You're going to see people that you've never, that you haven't seen in a long time. Family members that have gone and passed that, that, are, that were children of God. Hey, hey, listen, uh, I've got, I've got a, a little baby up in heaven that I've never seen. I'll get the, I think, I think of him or her as a little child, but I'll get to reunite in fellowship with the child that I lost that I never got to meet. Praise God. That is a happy place. I look forward to going there. Have you ever looked forward to being someplace? One of the things that my wife likes, my wife likes to go on vacation. It gives, uh, she, because it gives her something to look forward to. So this year she took the kids camping. Uh, I, I got to go spend a couple of days with them. I didn't camp overnight. One, I don't sleep well in a tent. And two, my back was uh, giving me problems and, at the time, so it, worked, it actually worked out really well. But give them something to look forward to. Can I tell you, we have something much greater to look forward to. Much greater. It's a, it's a wonderful place, this comfort that we have. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many mansions, uh, the, the rooms, a place. If it were not so, I would have told you. And he's preparing that place for us. It's, it's a supernatural preparation. There, have you ever, uh, there are some amazingly beautiful houses in this, uh, in this world. I, I, there's a house I got, it's up off 201, you may have seen it driving past, it's up on the right hand side, I don't know who owns it, I went there once uh, for a graduation party for somebody I didn't know, Just I went, with the, per, I went with, the, with, with the person who knew the family, and we went, it was a massive house, they've got a theater room that seats like 14 people. They've got, uh, they, this, they have, a, it's a huge, their house is probably four or five times bigger than our church. There's like two or three levels. They've got a tower up at the top. You go all the way to the top. It's an amazingly beautiful house. I can't imagine how much it was cost to build a house like that. There, there, are, more, there are fancier houses out there. But can I tell you that, that those houses, no matter how fancy they are, no matter how pretty they are, guess what? Somebody's got to clean the gutters. Somebody's got to pay the light bill. Somebody's, somebody's got to fix the things that, uh, that, are, that begin to fall apart, like the, like the deck, when the deck goes bad, right? Uh, somebody's got to fix those things, and, and they've got to be upkept, and they've got to, be, they've got to, they've got to continue to pay taxes on all that stuff. Man, it's a, uh, is it really worth it? Oh, give me a home where the buffalo roam. <laughs> okay, I don't want to live out in the wilderness. But the home that we have in heaven is it's, it's a supernatural preparation. It's going to be more beautiful than anything that we can ever imagine. It's, we're not going to walk in and be like, okay, underwhelmed. <laughs> when Jess and I were looking for a house to buy, we walked into this one place, and it was, uh, it was actually for rent. It was $1,000 a month. Man, the place was awful. $1,000, it was, a, I think it was a two or three bedroom. They, they hadn't even bothered to take, take trash out. There were, there were literally piles of diapers in the middle, dirty diapers, in the middle of the floor in one of the rooms. We were, needless to say, underwhelmed. You we're not going to get to heaven and say, that's the best you could do, Jesus? Really? <laughs> you said it was going to be nice. No, we're going to be overwhelmed. We're going to be overjoyed. We're going to be so excited to be with him. It isn't about the mansion. It's not, about the, it's, it's not about the beauty of the building, but I want you to understand, what, what, if our hearts and our minds are focused upon that, it's a whole lot better than being focused upon the things of this world. 
supernatural preparation. It's a personal home. He's making, preparing it for you. I don't know what kind of personal touches Jesus is putting in your home, your heavenly home. But can I tell you, he's put more personal touches in you than he is in that home. He's going to give us a glorified body. My hips aren't going to hurt. I, was doing, I started doing jujitsu again. My hips hurt. They're not going to hurt anymore. I won't have trouble breathing through that stupid mask. Those are singing. I'm singing redeemed, redeemed. I'm like, I hate the stupid mask. I'm not going to have to do that up there. Here's a thought. My personal home in heaven should give me purpose here. The home that God is preparing for me in heaven, the future that God has prepared for me in heaven should give me purpose to serve him here. We should be so heavenly minded. Isn't that what Jesus said anyway? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things should be added unto you. If our focus is on heavenly things, it gives us a, a reason to, to be here. Our reason to be, be here would be to serve God. I'm, I'm not looking for crowns of praise when I get to heaven. But everything that I do here results in either rewards or punishment there. Uh, we're, we're going to stand before God one day and give an account for everything that we did, every idle word that we spoke. And you could have had the greatest of works. This beautiful mansion of works, and the Bible says he's going to try it. See, he's not going to, it's not about what you and I think is how good those works were. He's going to try it, and he's, what he's really trying is our motives. He's going to find out what it's made out of. Why is it that we serve God here? Because we want to bring honor and glory to him? Because we're knowing what we're supposed to do. I'd hate to, find, I'd hate to get to heaven and find that most of my works resulted in a pile of ash. We have a purpose here. Not only is it a special place, it's a place set apart, it's a happy place. We have his sure promise. And this is one of my favorite things here. He says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. The promise is, he's coming back. He, he, he's coming back. Now, he may not come back today or tomorrow. He could. I'm not, gonna, I'm not putting any timeline saying Jesus can't come back now. Uh, he can come back whenever, whenever it's his time. I'm not going to set a date. I'm not going to set a time. That's just stupid. The Bible says no man knows the day or the time. But what we do know is that he is coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to take us with him. Now, whether that's before or after my death, I don't know. But that should give me a purpose for this life. It should motivate me to serve him here so that I'm not found being the lazy 
disobedient servant. He says, I'm coming back. When Jesus, when Jesus ascended into heaven in, in, in Acts, uh, it says they're all, every, everybody is standing there looking up into the sky as he disappears into the clouds. And, uh, that must have been an amazing sight. I, I, just just to see Jesus start to rise up into heaven. And whether it was angels that were carrying, I don't know. I, I, I wasn't there. Uh, I'm not, not going to hypothesize, but I can just say it's, it would be amazing. But while they're all standing there like this, looking up, Trying to, have you ever looked, looked, looked at a balloon as it flew away when you were a kid? I used to do that. I, I, I purposely let my balloons go because I wanted to see how far. I had to watch and watch until it was this little speck in the sky and then, psh, it's gone. I can imagine that's what they're doing. They're like, I still see him. He's, he's over there, over that cloud. And see him, see him. And while he's disappearing up into heaven, two angels stand there. Like, what are you doing? Why stand you here gazing up into heaven? Because the same one who just left, he, he's coming again. They, they, they repeated the promise that Christ had, that Christ had given to him. He says, he's coming again. Didn't he tell you what to do? He said, go to Jerusalem. They were to go and to pray. They were to, to prepare themselves for, for, for the, the, the future, for what God had for them here on this earth, for the service in the, in the church. He's preparing it for us. He says, why do you stand here? Don't get caught standing up staring at heaven. But use that as a motivation to get us to serve. We are to, we are to live our lives looking, waiting for his return. But not waiting for his return so much as we never do anything. As kids, I used to, uh, as kids, this is, this is, I am a horrible, I still can be um, a procrastinator. Dan knows that because he never gets my notes. <laughs> I, I know what I'm going to preach. Just never write it all down till till uh, t- sometimes till till the day of or the night before or whatever. But when I was a kid, my parents would leave and they'd go and they'd leave us for hours. Which was, and I say a kid, I was a teenager, and we had this really long driveway, and I knew when they were coming home because I could hear them driving up the driveway, and I'd see a cloud of dust, and it was like half a mile long, and you couldn't drive really fast because it was. A bit, Big rocks and holes and stuff like that. So, so soon see that it's time to pick up the house, make sure everything was finished and taken care of. I don't want that to be like. Listen, when those trumpets blow, the Bible says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we're not going to have time to do anything else. One moment we're going to be here, the next moment we're going to be in heaven if we're alive when that that place. Here's the here's the problem: death comes just as quickly. Death can come just as quickly. Whether it's Christ that comes back and takes us, or, or we die and he takes us when he comes back, death comes just as quickly. And, and whether you die in, a, die in a car accident, or whether you die uh, from, from getting struck by lightning, that does, it happens more than you think. I'm not saying you're going to go out and get struck by lightning. Uh, it, it could happen. Who knows? I'm saying live life like every day could be your last. Live life like Christ could come back tomorrow and you don't want to be caught doing something that you know he wouldn't want you to be doing. Live life in a way that, hey, listen, we all have family members we want to see saved. Live life in in, in a way that we know that tomorrow could be their last day and they need to hear the gospel. We have his sure promise. We'll finish with this last... This last verse, or the, with verse six, but Thomas says, Thomas, the known as doubting Thomas, says, says, uh, uh, says in verse five, Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? 
Because we don't know where you're going. And how we, how we, if we don't know where you're going, how do we know how to get there? Jesus told him, you already know the way. They just didn't understand yet. He was going to explain it to them. Jesus saith unto him, I love this verse, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I want to break this down a little bit. We all know it. We can all memorize it. We've all talked about it. But, but he says, first of all, he says, I am. <laughs> those, those two words are so important in, in, in the Bible because God revealed himself to Abraham, or, or sorry, God revealed himself to Moses in the, in the burning bush. And he says, who am I going to say sent me? He says, I am. I sent you. Jesus several times and referring to or referring to to to, to uh, uh, his origin uh, and talked to the Pharisees said before Abraham was I am almost got him stoned they would have stoned him if if, if God would have allowed it uh, uh, here he says I am I want you to understand he's he's connecting himself here just like he did in verse one the Jesus the Son with the Father uh, John is very good about this John chapter 1 verse 1 in the beginning was the word the word was with God and the word was God Jesus was God he had his hand in creation he was he was there I believe in the beginning uh, uh, breathing breath into Adam and it, it says that uh, Breath, breathing breath in Adam, and Adam became a living soul. In him was life. In him was light. He was God in the flesh. In fact, the Bible says that in him, I believe it was Colossians chapter 3, says, in him dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In Jesus Christ dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead. He was God. So he says, I am the way. What way? He was the way to salvation. He was the way to the Father. Uh, he says, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. There is no other way to be reconciled unto the Father but by Jesus Christ. He, his, he, he is the bridge to salvation. And there is no other way. We, we live in a world of, with people that are searching for a way to have a fellowship with the Father. And that's why there are so many different religions. They all want to know God. They all want to know who He is. And listen, there are those that will say that, that, uh, that uh, there are many different ways and many different options and that all roads lead to Rome and you can all get there the same way no matter what you believe. But Jesus said, I am the way. He didn't say, I am a way. He didn't say, there's lots of ways. He didn't say... Add me under the ticket, buddy, just to make sure. No, he said, I am the way. There is only one way to heaven and, and, and only one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ. He says, I am the truth. In Jesus, he was the, 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 the body of evidence, the, uh, the very word. In fact, John 1 says, in the beginning was the word. That word, that, that Greek word is logos. It means the, the, the conception, the word. Uh, uh, when we think of the word of God, think of Jesus. Because he is the truth. John 1, John 1, 1 says he's the word. In John chapter 17, he's, uh, Jesus prayed to the Father, says, Thou hast sanctified them, his disciples, by thy truth. Thy word is truth. Jesus Christ is the word. Jesus Christ is the truth. There's not, one, no, there's not many truths. In today's day and age, that's what you hear. Well, you can have your truth, and I can have my truth. I'm sorry, there is only one truth. And it exists in, the, in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone.
He says, I am the way, the way, the bridge to salvation. I am the truth, the body of substantial evidence. And he says, I am the life. He is the very spark, the breath of spiritual life. Without Jesus, there would be no life. For us as children of God, if you do not have Christ, you do not have life. First John chapter 5, verse 11. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. If we don't have Christ, we have nothing. I sat there and talked to a Jehovah Witness uh, as, uh, one day when I was working. And uh, he sat next to me in the passenger seat of the vehicle as I was driving through Augusta in the ambulance. And he says, you know, you and I were pretty similar. We have the same, we have the same uh, uh, moral standards and convictions about families and, and, and morality. And I said, there's a, there's a lot, you're right, that, that we're the same about. And I said, but there's one problem. Because you don't believe in Jesus. The whole conversation started because uh, I, I, I didn't know one who was Jehovah's Witness until I started asking questions of why they weren't celebrating Christmas. Well, surprise, they don't celebrate Christmas because they don't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. So why would they celebrate the birth of a man, uh, just a prophet, who was born a long time ago? And when they realized it, I'm like, oh, and he's like, you know, we're, we're, we're pretty much the same. No, 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 we're completely different. And it's all because of one man, and his name is Jesus. Because in him is everything to me. In his life, I have life. In fact, he says that. He says, because I live, in John chapter 14, he says in verse 19, because I live, ye shall live also. It's all about Christ. He goes on to say later on in the, in the, in the book of John here that, uh, that we have peace. In verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. You're repeating the same phrase again. Neither let it be afraid. You've heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If you love me, you will rejoice. Because I said I go unto the Father, and my Father is greater than I. Listen, our peace, our, the peace, the joy that we have is because of Jesus Christ and we're focused upon what Jesus Christ has given to us. We can, I don't care how, how great your life is, man, you can find some miserable people in some great circumstances. Some people are just miserable no matter how, how good their life can be. But listen, you can also find some people that are in miserable circumstances who are homeless, who, who, who don't have food to eat for dinner, who live in a third world country, and they're, they're, they're just scraping to get by. But they're saved, and there's a joy, and there's a peace that they have that goes beyond the understanding of the world. And it's all because of Jesus Christ. And can I tell you, our third world, pro or our third world, our first world problems that we face today, yes, they're troubles. I'm not trying to downplay your stress and your problems. What, I'm, what I am saying is God is greater than all of it. And instead of focusing on those things, let's find the joy that we have in Christ. Let the world see the joy that we have. That doesn't mean we don't sorrow and grieve. But we don't sorrow as others who have no hope. There's a difference. I lose, if, I, if I were to lose my wife, I'd be broken. It'd break my, it'd break my heart. But 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18 says that I can have hope in Jesus because, one, because of the promise of Christ coming back, that I'd see her again. I have hope. So sorrow... Not as others who have no hope. It doesn't mean we don't grieve. It doesn't mean we don't have difficult times. It's how do we respond in those difficult times. It's how do we praise God in those difficult times. It's how do we rejoice. And, and ultimately, how do we endure? 
because we can allow the struggle of, 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 of this troubled heart, the, 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 the troubles in our time, we can allow that to destroy us. I got this new Bible. It's it's King James Version Bible, but it's uh, got several quotes in it from Charles Spurgeon. I wanted to read something to you from him. Verse. This is what he says about verse twenty-seven. It says, "Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid." Christian joy does not come from what we have, nor does sorrow come from what we lack. Our happiness does not come from the world, and neither does our depression. That is, if we live near to God. So it is not trouble that troubles saints. It is something far worse than that. I am afraid there are many Christians in great trouble who are so proud that they will not admit God has a right to deal with them as he is dealing. They think there ought to be some more lenient dispensation of kinder providence for them. They imagine themselves to be the kind of Persons on whom the sun should always shine and whose path should always be smooth. It is not so. They think that God is dealing harshly with them, that he is not kind to them, and they doubt his love. We may tell them that the martyrs suffered far more than they do. We may point them to many other fellow Christians who are in much worse circumstances than they are, but that will not reconcile them to their own trials. The fact is, there is a self-love about them that has exaggerated itself beyond all due proportion into a sinful self-esteem. And this proud, egotistical idea of what they ought to have and ought to be rebels against the sovereignty of God and refuses to submit to the will of the Most High. Our sorrows usually spring out of ourselves. And when self is conquered, sorrow is, to great extent, banished from the human heart. We must get rid of this rebellion against the Most High, or else our hearts will continue to be troubled. Let's just be honest, if we allow ourselves to get overwhelmed with this stuff, it's because we've allowed it. It would be nice if the sun always shined. It'd be nice if my car always started. It'd be nice if nobody ever got sick and my bank account had an influx of money that just never stopped. I'd love it. But you know what I would have? Is lots of money and good health. You know what I wouldn't have? Faith in God. It is in my times of the deepest and darkest trials and tribulations in my life that my faith in God has grown. Because on top of that mountain and victory, everything seems well, and I have no reason to lean upon God. But when things get dark and when things get hard, I begin to trust in Him. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Do you believe in Him for salvation? Do you believe in him for the rest of for life? Don't let your heart be troubled. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for your work in our lives. I thank you, Lord, for your love and your goodness. God, you have been good to us regardless. Regardless of all else, Father, you have been good.
God, I pray that you help us not to be overwhelmed with that. Help us to find peace. Help us to find that hope. Help us to keep our eyes and our hearts on heaven above. Help us to live our lives with that in mind. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.